0: authenticity and and vulnerability will open up doors for people that a lot of times they're hiding their story, thinking that it's a weakness, when really that can be one of your greatest strengths.
1: Like One of my good buddies who's been sober a long time, he talks about playing all out, right? And it's, you know, if you put it all out there, you play it out, right? There's no secrets. There's no nothing. It's like, here's who I am. Here's what I've done. Here's my experience, strength, and hope. Take it, leave it whatever you want to do with it it leaves room for there to be connection or you know i don't really relate to that guy he's not my guy someone was saying like hey man like you could help one person and if you can help one person it's better than anything else
2: This podcast is brought to you by King's Council Coaching. The mission of the King's Council is to help you discover, develop, and deploy your God-given talents and abilities. In order to leave a legacy, you need to live your legacy of excellence through the five power pillars, mental, emotional, physical, spiritual, and financial. Now, our programs are specifically designed to give you the blueprint and strategies that you need to gain an edge in the most important areas of your life. If you're an entrepreneur ready to upgrade your finances and align yourself with other powerful kingdom-minded men and women, visit kingscouncilcoaching.com to start your legacy of excellence today.
0: Hello, and welcome to another episode of The Chosen Podcast. I'm your host, Caleb Spittler, Director of Member Relationships here at the King's Council. And on this podcast, we love talking to entrepreneurs. And I am so excited for this week because we have an entrepreneur with us, Matt Williams, founder of FroPro. Such an honor to have you on the show this week. Hey, thanks for having me, man. It was great meeting you all down in Miami at the event. It was, it was. And I'm personally excited for this call because I got to hear a little bit of your story down in Miami, but you and I didn't really get a chance to connect all that much. So selfishly, I'm happy to be able to get this time with you. But why don't we start there? Why don't you give us a little bit of your story, your background? What kind of led you to this entrepreneurial journey that you are on now?
1: Matt Williams, uh, founder of ProPro Snack Bars, our organic peanut butter snack bar, gluten-free oats, honey, cinnamon, different flavors, plant-based, and all that good stuff. So it's like a healthy Reese's Peanut Butter Cup. But to get to that point, originally from New York, great family, came down to South Florida for a job, and life changed in 2010. I'm in recovery from alcohol and drugs, had run for a long time, and, and essentially... Coming down here and changing my life, I thought I could get away from certain things and kind of start over. But, you know, the old adage of like wherever you go, there you are. And ended up down here with a choice. And I never really thought I had a choice before, but I had some really good people in my life. And they they basically said, you know, Matt, here's an opportunity for you to get some help. You've asked for help finally, and here's the opportunity. So either run or accept the help that you asked for because we're going to give it to you. And I embarked on a journey on May 17th, 2010 um, in sobriety and rediscovering my faith and what I believe to be a higher power and kind of just like a whole life change. It's like they say, you have to change one thing, you have to change everything. I was just on so many levels of a bottom, right? Like physical, spiritual, emotional, financial, any bottom that you could experience, I finally experienced all in one shot. You know, like the little things here and there that were spread out over the years didn't really like have a significant impact and really didn't like kind of shake me awake until that last one. So, yeah, as a result, I, I started over at age 28. I couldn't teach anymore. I couldn't coach anymore. Uh, fortunately, I, legally, I didn't experience, thankfully, <laughs> a lot of things. I didn't uh, experience having any type of felony. It was very close for a lot of things, just years of poor choices compounded. Able to kind of start over. I thankfully didn't have to go to jail, but uh, entered into a treatment program. and just took suggestions. Uh, I took suggestions from people that had lived like me at one point and followed whatever essentially that they said, because they had my best interest at heart and they loved on me when I couldn't love myself. And I started over. and, And from that, I had a little, they call them like kind of recovery jobs, like nothing too stressful, nothing over the top that would overwhelm me. So I could really focus on recovery. And that recovery was, you know, there's certain fellowships and there's certain things that people do to get sober and I have mine, but it introduced me to reintroduce me, I should say, because I grew up in a house of faith and kind of got reintroduced to what I turned my back on. So it's a crazy journey. And from that, just started making these little snack bars because I was biking everywhere around South Florida and sharing them with people and little opportunities here and there allowed me to share them with some people that were in a position to kind of guide me and say, hey, this is good. You should probably do something with this. So again, following suggestions. Listening to those around me, you know, we started. Essentially, I said we. Now it's my wife and I, but I just started making bars and sharing them with people and getting honest feedback, and just slowly chipping away. And that was in 2011 when that kind of took off. So I'd been sober for a little period of time and just kind of just been chipping away, working hard, putting in the effort. I was told early on, and this is like a broken record. So anybody heard my story before, it's like I'm in the effort business. I'm not in charge of the results business. You know, wake up every day. I have my same morning routine, which I'm sure we'll we'll touch on. But you know, the result is sitting in a in an amazing business that I get to run with my wife. We have just an amazing community of people, of like minded people, in and out of recovery it doesn't matter. But uh, just a tremendous community here in South Florida of people that work really hard, support each other, show up for each other. You know, we're just super grateful for the opportunity to have Fropro be what it is today because of the community of people that we're in.
0: Hmm. So powerful. So you said that there was a moment where you were kind of rock bottom in a lot of different areas. How did you come to that realization that, okay, my life is not looking like how I want it to look? Was there a moment that you kind of had this aha moment or this awareness moment where things changed for you?
1: I share this and kind of when I tell my story with people that are struggling with drugs and alcohol, I just kind of ask this question, have you ever been in a place where when you are kind of coming to or waking up, you hope you're not where you're at. Hmm. I was there and I was in gun club, which is a jail, fully jumpsuited from previous night's activities. And I literally woke up and I just, I couldn't believe where I was. I was wearing the Hmm. jumpsuit. I kind of had a faint recollection of what happened, but not really, but like the dried tears and snot bubbles. And just like, you know, I was on a cot and I sat up and I'm surrounded by all the, everybody else was wearing the orange jumpsuits. I'm in a giant, it's not even a drunk tank. It's I'm in actual, Jail, like two floors, beds, cots, bathrooms, and like guards. Mm -hmm. It's the first time I had been in that situation, that serious situation, and that was the first time I actually cried out, like I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. I need help, you know. At that time, on the bed, just like saying that to myself. There's no one else around. This is the first time I ever said it. It was the first time I wanted help. I need help. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm scared. I don't really want to live because i knew kind of as i was coming out of that stupor or that drunkenness and that i'd overserved myself incredibly the night before like again that recollection and then you go through the process going in front of the judge and understanding what happened and, and i was so sick and tired like i didn't care what they said like i deserved to die deserved to be put away and this is again i'm a teacher and a coach and i love all that stuff but i was just so empty inside and just so void of any like connection to anything and anyone that cared for me that I was just like, I don't care what happens, but I did ask for help. That was the moment. And again, I, I share that with people because it's like before, like little things like, you know, I get a DUI. Okay. We'll figure it out legally, you know, lose some money or like lose my wallet. Okay. We'll figure it out. You know, like lose a job. Okay. Like I can get another one, but it was the first time all bottoms had kind of been like, so it was all of them were checked off at one shot. And I just knew what I was facing and I was finally done.
0: Looking back on it now, do you feel like there's a reason that you were abusing substances or something that you were trying to fulfill?
1: You know, I've had that conversation. My brother's a pretty spiritual dude, and he likes to call it God's sense of humor because he's like, It's funny that you made your way down there, or I should say, your journey led you down to a place where there's people that get sober. And I didn't really have any idea of what that was down here. Like I knew a couple buddies that were sober, but I was still doing my thing. I could give you a hundred different reasons when I was drinking, why I was drinking, but the, you know, the real reason was that I was just like, I had no connection. I had no understanding of my purpose, everything that I had worked really hard for in grad schools and masters and all this other stuff and tutoring and mentoring and all these things. like I did them because I enjoyed them, but I also did them so you couldn't tell me I wasn't working hard. I could say, listen, bro, I have like five, six, seven years uh, jobs and like, I'm doing all these things. So like, why don't you lay off, man? Like I'm showing up, I'm doing this, like, what's your problem? So I could justify and rationalize anything and, and rationalization really doesn't do much. You know, I always say, oh, if, yeah, if your dad died, like, you know, I was young when my dad died. And if your dad died, when my dad died, like you would drink too. You don't even know me. And like, it had nothing to do with that. It's just, I was afraid. I found that out really quick when I started to meet people that had gone through these challenges and there were, I would tell them my sob story and my pity party and I would invite them in and they're like, Hey dude, that's really cool. Like all that stuff is a bunch of bullshit. Excuse my language. You're a scared little boy. And I was like initially angry because like, how dare you talk to me that way? But like, that was actually, I knew deep down they were right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So I want to take this one step further. You said you didn't feel connection how does substance abuse in some way, shape, or form fulfill that? Because I think this is a really interesting topic when we talk about substance abuse. Just to give you a background on myself, I used to work with teenagers, a lot of them, you know, addicted to different substances, worked kind of in the social work field. And they started changing the word addiction to bonds, like you're forming a relationship with whatever it is that you're actually
1: addicted to. Can you speak to that a little bit more? Yeah, no, that's pretty accurate. It's like, I had to write a breakup letter uh, when I actually worked with a therapist in treatment, Mm. my choice or, you know, DOC, the drug of choice, whatever it was, I had to write a letter to it. And it was, it's really crazy. It is a relationship. It's a bond that you form. And I don't know when that relationship changed. Normally, like when consequences start happening in any relationship, you're like, man, let me take a look at this. But like with alcohol for me, which led to other things, it was What's the problem? I'm fine. And my whole thing is the way I drank. It was like, if you and I were hanging out like this and like, I'm sitting in this room and I stay here, I could just keep drinking and be fine. But the minute I left my environment and kind of came into something that wasn't in this room, blackout and like completely lose track of where I was, where I was going, who I was, what we were talking about. But yeah, that bond for me was just, I really enjoyed it. I thoroughly enjoyed drinking. I thought I was pretty good at it for a while. And for me, I got to a point where it's like, I didn't know when I crossed that line. But like, here's the thing. When I drank, again, there's different kinds of bonds. I didn't need to wake up and have a drink. If I went out and I was in a bar, I didn't need to have a drink. It was the minute that I consumed anything, whatever it was, a switch would go off. And I'd be like, I need more. I don't care where I get it, how I get it, who I run into to get it, who I run over to get it. But I'm going to get it because I want it and I deserve it. I'm entitled to it. And that's how I drank, which is is pretty frightening. Again, it wasn't every day. Sometimes weeks would go by, maybe months in the very beginning, and then it was every Wednesday night, every Thursday night, every Friday night, every Saturday night. Oh, I'll just drink Sunday day. That's like college that's like started in college for me more intensely. And I found other things that allowed me to drink more. And then it's like, man, I'm an adult, I'm a teacher, I'm a coach, I can't show up like this. But like, I also was like Mr. Williams during the day and then coach and tutor. And then it would be like, I'd bartend certain nights. And then that's when they, again, those two personalities mm. are created. Actually, they just keep doing this and they keep crashing into each other. I think that bond of, I'm going to prove that Mr. Williams and the coach and teacher guy is a really good guy. And don't worry about this guy over here this way. And then eventually like the alcoholic addict just won out and was like, Hey, listen. And that, and that's the weird thing. That's the bond that's like you establish. So it's, again, it's a lot of changing everything, right? Taking suggestions and going back to a way of living that I don't think about alcohol. And, thankfully, I don't think about alcohol and drugs. So, you know, like it's not something that I focus on today. It's how do I be a good guy today? How do I help somebody else today? How do I be of service today? And work on, you know, it's like, is a saying, it's like getting sober is tough. Staying sober is even tougher.
0: So if someone's listening to this right now, and maybe they're not quite at that rock bottom yet, but they know that they're on a path that someday is going to
1: end rock bottom, what would you say to them? You know, there's a lot of questions people can ask to help you realize, hey, are you an alcoholic or an addict? And if you look at some of those questionnaires, or you look at some of the things that are put out by medical like professions or you know, organizations, it's like, oh, wow, like a lot of people may be an alcoholic and not realize it. But if, if there are consequences, I would say to that person, like, hey, are you experiencing consequences? Okay. If so, here. If not, do you feel that like you can go without using whatever substance you're using for a period of time and it'd be okay? And when you start to rely on it, I like a cigar from time to time. I watch people um, vape, right? And I don't understand it. And I watch people, they'll be sitting there just vaping. I'm like, bro, you're sitting in my office vaping. They don't even realize they're doing it. So I can relate to it because there was a point in time when like the drink, right? People be like, hey, yeah, sure. It's the weekend, but Matt, even in college, like Matt, dude, it's like 9 a.m. Like, what are you doing? People don't do that. And I heard it to another level when someone like, again, there's a lot harder things out there and they're like, one doesn't recreationally use cocaine or heroin. It's not a thing you know, if you casually have a drink at the bar, cool. Like one doesn't go to the bar and be like, let me casually like have that vintage of cocaine or heroin today. Do you have this in pill form? It's like, this is not normal stuff, but again, we can go down that rabbit hole of what we've normalized in society today, the whole pharmaceutical world. But like those things aren't normal, but they've become normal. And that's another way that I could justify. It's like, Oh, I'm not as bad as this person. I'm not that person. I still have a job. I heard that in my first go-round when I got a DUI. I went to an organization and I sat and I listened. I was like, I'm nothing like these people.
0: Yeah, yeah. And one of the things I think I hear you saying, and this would be consistent with different guests we've had on the show, whether we're talking about fitness or your business or substance abuse, there usually has to come a moment of awareness, you know, maybe it's your marriage or or whatnot, where you are able to almost step back from your situation and see where you're at honestly before you're able to start making those steps. I mean, even what you said of, you know, if somebody's in that place, a lot of times you would ask questions to help them determine, are you actually an addict? Because so often I see people just going down a road kind of with their head down you know, they just keep taking steps forward down that road without ever picking their head up and saying, man, am I on the right path? Because if I continue on in this road, before you know it, you've gained a hundred pounds or you've financially ruined yourself or you're going through a divorce or whatnot. And people feel surprised by that. They feel like, whoa, how did this happen? How did I get here? But if they look back, they were actually on that path for, you know, oftentimes years. Absolutely. So one of the things about your story that I found different than a lot of entrepreneurs that I talked to is oftentimes entrepreneurs will say that they have this vision of this is what I want my business to look like. Like I wrote down exactly, you know, I'm going to sell this many protein bars by this year or whatnot. And when you were sharing your story, it almost seemed like, I don't want to say you stumbled into it, but it was like one step at a time where you're like, I just made them for myself. And then I shared them with some friends and then they told me to start selling. So I sold one. Can you describe that journey? Did you start with a vision? What did it feel like for you as you were getting started?
1: You know, I worked some of these recovery jobs and I was fortunate because, you know, it's a small enough town where people like knew what was going on with me, but there were certain people that didn't, but some people that knew and didn't care and said, Hey, you're a good guy, man. I'm gonna give you a chance. Cause like the girl I was dating was now my wife was like, who vouched for me. And like, they knew her for years. And I just remember sitting in there and I just, you know, I was at a job and working for this great family. They hired me because they didn't need somebody, but they hired me to help me out. And I wasn't making a ton of money, but it was like, hey, Matt, here's a project on Monday. You have till Friday to finish it. I'd finish it Tuesday handed and they would be like, okay, just like sit over there and like, you know, do whatever and just like help if you need I'm like, okay. So it's like, I'm showing up, but I start to be able to make plans. I start to do things. So it's, again, I'm just like online, I'm, just, I'm at a computer doing work for them and I just start, you know, like done with what I'm doing. So I'm just like looking stuff up and I'm reading and I'm like researching. But like I had this thing, I was making this bar and again, I wasn't in the food business. I wasn't a chef. I wasn't anything else. I wasn't like, I'm going to start a business. So the feeling was, is I like this selfishly. I enjoy this. And I think other people will too. So I'm just going to share it with them. Cause like, I'm not going to go in and be like jam it in your face, I'm like eat this. I want your opinion. I just would have it. And they're like, you know, you're in shape. Like, what are you eating over there? And I was like, oh, I just like make this peanut butter snack bar. And like, oh, let me try it. Oh my God, it's so good. What do you call it? And so that was how it worked and that's how it shared. So it's again, it's like, there's still a lot of fear. Cause I'm like, at this point, not even a year sober, right? That's over May 17th, 2010. This is like maybe beginning in 2011, right? And starting to get a little confidence of like, okay, I am an alcoholic, I'm an addict, and I'm just trying to do this, you know, like, here I am. And it was just like that consistent sharing and that consistent, like, you know, hey, yeah, you know, like, this is this thing I made. And and then eventually, like getting in front of people that I, I had access to a gym that I started to help out at and like donate kind of like time and just like, hey, and then once I kind of got in there, I was like, hey, do you mind if you share this with the members but i don't want them to know it's me because i want honest feedback and i was embarrassed because like if someone was like this sucks i would be like oh. i was afraid one lady was like have, you know asking the guys about it that ran the gym and, and they were like oh well like and i said yeah it's fine and she came and she's like, oh did you make this i said yeah and then she said i'd love to eat it but you know at the time i was making it with like whatever i had in the house like whey protein like a bunch of kind of like not junk but like that's all I had. I, I didn't have any money. So I was like eating like rice and like protein shakes. She said, Hey, if you do this and this, you know, I'd like to try it. And it was like, you know, get vegan protein, get plant based stuff and try it again. So I tried it again and I brought it to her and, and she said, This is really good. You know, kind of did it for you because you suggested it. Like, and she said, Well, you know, again, I didn't know what she did or anything. She said, Well, you know, like um, I managed this juice bar and this is before juice bars got big at least here in Florida. And she's like, can you make me a hundred? And I was like, no, I've never done that. She's like, well, figure it out. And when you do, let me know. I said, I'd love to sell these for you. And I was like, oh, okay. Sounds great. I remember just being like a hundred. How do I make a hundred? I could only make like five to 10 at a time or something like that. So I figured out how to do it. I walked in like with the bars and I was just like, hi. And she's (laughs) like, she's like, let me help you out. I'm going to sell these bars for you. It's called consignment. I'm going to take these for free. Do you know what you paid for them? I'm like, no, I don't know. She's like, well, tally that up. I'm going to charge this. You're going to get this. And I'll let you know if I sell any. Okay. Thanks. Appreciate it. See you at class. And um, called me three days later. She's like, man, I sold out. I need another hundred. I was like, all right. She's like, I need them like as soon as possible. I'm like, okay, great. All right. So I made them, brought them, and then she sold them again. I said, hey, I want you to talk to my friend. She's opening a place in Delray Beach, which is like the town over. Great. So again, it was just like people starting to believe in a product that liked me and were like, I'm going to give you a shot. (laughs) And again, it was one of those things like the feeling of like, hey, I think I'm doing something here. People that knew my now wife were like, you know, is Matt doing something like peanut butter? Like I thought he was training and he was working at this and that. She's like, yeah, he's just kind of trying to figure it out. And, um, a couple of years of that, it ended up someone taking notice of it and calling or Facebooking my wife and be like, Hey, what's this like connection? I see like you have to and and She's like, Oh, it's my boyfriend's. You know why? Like there's a, like a camp friend from like way back when she goes, yeah, I'm like the marketing director over here at Whole Foods. Uh, love to talk to you. And she was like, yeah, okay, cool. Jen, thanks. Nice. Cool story. And she's like, no, seriously, like. Like I tried it at this place. It was really good. I think you should come in. And that's how it like literally like went from a couple little accounts to like walking in and the coolest thing about that. And I didn't get a chance to share this at the, I don't think I shared this with you guys is, you know, we walk in there and there's everybody sitting at a table like this and everybody's trying it and, they're like, oh. and there's thousands of products in this place. We're in corporate whole foods of Florida, right? Like whole foods, corporate Florida, 32 stores, Fort Lauderdale down the road and I start talking about the product. And like Chelsea's like really well-spoken and I'm just sitting there. It's just like, mm-hmm. like literally like, like, you know what guys, like, here's the deal. This product's really good. And I know you guys enjoyed it, but like the only reason we're here is because of Matt. And we're here because of Matt, because Matt lost everything. And like, I want him to tell you your story and he's going to share his story because I think it's really important. This is his second chance. And this is a creation that he just made because he really enjoyed it. And he's been sober. I think at the time he's been sober for like four or five years. and. I look at the people's faces and then I like, kind of like do one of these and then I share my story and I'm like getting, I'm like, I get emotional and like, I'm trying not to be that guy or you know, I'm breaking down and like, I get a little emotional and I start telling my story and I have to like, look down. Cause if I'm looking at you, like, I'm like, you know, I'm like, I don't want to look at my girlfriend at the time. Cause I'm gonna cry. I don't want, I start like, I'm talking down. I'm telling my story. I look up every now and then I look up and I see this dude and he's just like nodding. And so I'm like, okay. And I like keep telling it and then, and then I finish and I'm like, yeah. And that's just kind of where we're at. And he just like sits back and it's just like, that's what I want to hear. He goes, this is the story I relate to because my ex struggles with this. And I was just like, oh, and then I got a little kind of weird about it because I'm like, I'm not doing this. I'm not creating a business to advocate for alcoholism or addiction. And they're like, yeah, but like how many other things that are out there that are like, oh, this Olympic gymnast won seven titles and there was nothing else on the market. That's why they created, you know, gymnast bar. And I'm like, okay, yeah, that's common. And they're like, this is your story. This is important to you. This is a starting from nothing, no money, no nothing, literally bootstrapping, you know, whatever that word is and starting it yourself. This is exciting. Here's the deal. And then they broke out. Boom. Here You got a year. Year to do this. If you can do it in a year, you might get in. You might not. At least, like you're going to improve. And that was history. Wow. I mean, we always say like, I didn't create this to have a business. Like, if I'm, I'm I hate to say this because there's probably very successful and people here, including yourself, Riley, will be like, really? I didn't write a business plan. I have no experience writing business plans. Like, I googled one and I was like, man, like, yo, this ain't me. I'm. This is not my thing. But as we grew and as people were like, dude, like. Goals, I'm good with setting out. Like you said, like, what do you want to do in three months, six months, nine months, a year, three years, five years? Where do you want it to be? I'm good with that business plan. The X, Y, Z equals this MC squared off. I'm not your guy. So I had to learn that. And then as I started to build this, that's when Chelsea was just like running a different company and in the jewelry business and worked her way up to running this company. And was like, I really want to help you. And I'm like, I don't even know what that looks like. Like you make a really good salary and like... We're paying for everything, and like I'm still paying off debts. And at that point, I think we were engaged. You know, actually, no, I think we're already married. And like I said, I mean, that's a really scary thing because again, I still train, I have a gym, and we have all these other things. But like she was able to come in, and and that's why I say the game changed is like my wife's a rock star, and she's just really good at the things that I'm not. You know, the, uh, the daily operations, the financials, the plans, the this, that. This is me, right? I could go out on the road and sell and talk to people about life and talk to people about... I could go out on a business trip and be like, hey, I want to try 20 new stores and not get one and just be excited about meeting people, right? Because I love that. That's my thing. And like for her, it's her thing, but like she'd rather like run the ship, right? Like she is the captain, she is the CEO and you know, have this awesome awesome young woman, Emily, who's like director of operations. And it's like literally like a mini version of my wife who's just like bang, 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 bang. So it's like a lot of really cool women just like running my life, which is great. Mm. (laughs)
0: That's so great. It's one of the things that I think all of us coming off what you shared down in that Miami event will have felt that humility and authenticity coming from you and your story. I think back to even speech class in college, there was this one guy who was, he was involved in acting and he was just, you know, Mr. Confident. He had his speech so polished. And the first speech, you know, he kind of blew everybody away, but by speech two, three, four, it was kind of like, okay, we know that you're amazing at this. And I remember this girl got up, a friend of mine, and she just shared her story. It was like about her grandma or something. And she moved the room, like really moved the room. And I remember writing down in my notes because we had a, evaluate everybody in speech class, that authenticity, vulnerability actually beat confidence in terms of what moves people. And I just love your story that you were authentic, that you were yourself. And that even when we heard you down in Miami, one of the reasons that everyone wanted to go talk to you afterwards, and I couldn't even, you know, I think I shook your hand, but I didn't get a chance to jump into conversation with you. But everyone wanted to talk to you. And the reason was even though you've had so much success in your life, but people didn't walk away from that talk feeling like, whoa, this dude's amazing and so different from me. I could never be him. People left that feeling like there's something about his story that I can connect to. And I bet if I go have a conversation with him, he's going to listen to me and he's going to relate to where I'm at and he's not going to judge me for being in this place. So I think that authenticity and and vulnerability will open up doors for people that a lot of times they're hiding their story thinking that it's a weakness when really that can be
1: one of your greatest strengths like one of my good buddies who's been sober a long time he talks about playing all out right and it's you know if you put it all out there you play it out right there's no secrets there's no nothing it's like here's who i am here's what i've done here's my experience strength and hope take it leave it whatever you want to do with it it leaves room for there to be Connection, or, you know, I don't really relate to that guy. He's not my guy. Someone was saying, like, hey, man, like, you could help one person. And if you can help one person, it's better than anything else. And I was like, okay. I said, I can get on board with that. I wasn't in a pitiful sense anymore talking about my story about everything that I had lost and like poor me and like, you know, selfish me. It was just like, like, I had to ride the bus. I had to ride the bike. I lost the drivers. It's the privilege, the this, the that, the other thing. And it's just kind of one of those things where I was like, I've heard that story so many times now, or someone that said, Hey, you know, my brother, my sister, my dad, my mom, my cousin, you know, struggled with this, struggled with that. Like, what are you doing? I'm always, I, I, I'm so confident to say, thankfully, Hey, have them give me a call. I'd love to talk to them. If they don't want to talk with a the man, if they want to talk with me, Hey, here's my friend. She's, you know, she's been sober a long time. She's doing this. Cause like, I always say, it's like, if you had told me almost 12 years ago, I'd be doing what I'm doing today. I would have been like, like, what? Like, what are you talking about? Peanut butter. What? I'm going to own a gym. Like what? Like literally. And it's like, those are the things it's like, I sometimes forget, but when I take a second and I have to, you know, I have like people in my life, my accountability group, right. That's like, Hey man, did you pause today? And like, really give thanks to God and give thanks for the things that are in your life. And because I used to, again, be like, "Oh man, I have to do this," and like someone would change my perception, be like, "You don't have to do anything. You get to do what you do today. You get to not go to prison today. You get to wake up and feel good today. You get to show up to a gym and mentor other people and get mentored by those people. What works? What doesn't work? You know, you get to work with your best friend, your wife, and it's like those get tos, right? And those never existed until I got sober. I mean, they did prior because I was my family, my mom and dad." rock stars, brothers, rock stars, but my choice in substances won out. And like I damaged years of relationships that I'm still working on today and still rebuilding today. And I can never look at my father in the face because he passed in my use, but it's a daily amends, right? It's a daily living of being the best version of myself and acting in accordance with the things that I learned and the principles and spiritually that I'm supposed to do that today. Not necessarily want to do it all the time because it's really hard work when I surrender and I get to do all that stuff, it's like, man, it's so much easier than fighting and, and and just being like exhausted all the time.
0: It's a different message than what we hear a lot. you know, a lot of times we hear hustle, grind, you know, it's almost like people don't enjoy their life as opposed to that gratefulness of I cannot believe how blessed I am that I get to do these things. And I think it's more sustainable because you know you can grind, hustle, grind for six months, a year, whatever it is. But at the end of the day, it can be hard to hold on to that why behind it as opposed to, I actually enjoy the process. I'm grateful for the process. I tell people two minutes of gratefulness a day will totally change your life. I added that to my morning routine, which we'll have to come back to your morning routine, but I added two minutes of gratefulness I'll tell you what, my marriage, my whether it be business, relationships, it just changed everything. And I didn't even notice it until like six months in. And I'm like, why is it when I walk in the door, I just want to like grab my wife straight away, kiss her? Like, I'm just so, so grateful for her because every single day I'm meditating on how much of a blessing she's been to me. And it's just, it's totally changed my marriage, my relationship with my kids. So I love that. I love what you're saying there.
1: That's great. <laughs> so, what's your morning routine? I'm an early riser, so I usually wake up anywhere between four and four thirty a day. <sighs> Starts up with the you know the same thing: wake up, kind of. I get downstairs, I drink, I drink my uh, my water, and then my uh, greens and vitamin C and all that stuff, and then I pray and I spend some time quieting everything. Cause I usually, my mind races when I wake up and I'm thinking about everything I, I get to do today Yeah, It's the excitement of like, man, I have a pretty open day. What does that look like? Yeah. Like when those days exist and they're like very slim, like they get filled quick, yeah. but yeah, no, I pray, I breathe I meditate. And then I have a journal usually like write about how I'm feeling, what's going on, what's flowing through me after praying. And then I have like a daily reflections book that focuses on a certain fellowship's kind of guidelines. Mm. And I usually kind of like use the bathroom and make sure the house is okay. And then I'm usually out the door either for a run, a bike ride, or going to work out. And then, you know, kind of prepare myself. I usually, you know, will, will attend some form of fellowship meeting if I can. And there's days that I can't uh, just because i you know, have a certain schedule, but I, I usually try to spend the morning with a connection to a power greater than myself, and then focus on that for a couple hours before I go out and interact with anybody because that's uh, worked for me for the last twelve years. I don't really want to change that, uh, and it's I think the reason why I get to be successful today is I'm a big routine guy. I know when I do those things and I consistent with them 365 days a year. It's been pretty cool cool for almost twelve years, so that's how I operate in the morning. Love
0: it. I love it. On this show, we interview a lot of entrepreneurs. One of the things that we preach a lot is even going back to Genesis in the Bible, you know, there was this command to work the land. And essentially one of the main things that humans were meant to do was take the resources of planet earth, produce something good and give it to your fellow man. It was one of our main callings. And I think where we've maybe in the last hundred years, adjusted our thinking is, I'm going to go get a job and work for somebody else. Not to say that that's necessarily a bad thing, but what you do today started with some measure of creativity. You saw a need in your own life. You said, I'm going to make something, and then you sought to bless people with it. I mean, the way I hear you tell the story, it doesn't even sound like you're saying, man, I really want people to buy these bars from me. You're like, I think this is pretty good. I think this would probably help somebody else's life if they had it too. So I guess what made you choose entrepreneurship? What made you start to create versus you saying, I'm just going to go back into the corporate world and and start climbing a ladder somewhere?
1: Well, I think there's a certain sense of freedom to do the things that I enjoy doing. And I mean, I did things that I wanted to when I was doing that corporate stuff. And again, nothing wrong with that nine to five rock and roll. But I didn't realize it's like when you really do something that you love and I love teaching and I love coaching and it was definitely part of it. But when you do something from a position where again, divinely inspired or not like that thought process of even when people are like, dude, refrigerated peanut butter snack bar and poking holes in it and like challenging me, which needed. I just said, yeah, I'm I'm just going to keep chipping away at this and train over here and work this and kind of pay my dues from, you know, a lot of poor decisions. And, you know, it grew again. I think a lot of people, I hear it all the time where they're like, oh yeah, I did something like that. Like I did like a brownie or I did a cookie or like conversation, right. You can tell yourself to stop doing anything. Right. And you can kind of like fall out of anything. And and I I always ask, I'm like, oh cool. Like what happened? They're like, it was a lot of work. Yeah. What do you do now? And they're just like, "Oh, I'm doing this." I'm like, "Hey, is that something that provides you with like feeling good about it?" And that's one of the things I ask on my podcast. It's like, you know, what do you do for someone that's like in that zone of like, I'm not happy with my job, my my relationships, my connection with higher power, or I'm not, you know, working out as much. It's just like you know, it's a deep dive into like, what do you want to do? And again, had you asked me that, I wouldn't have been like, I'm going to create a peanut butter snack bar empire <laughs> and open a gym, but those like when you start doing the things that you love. And I think, again, even though I love teaching, I love coaching, you know, you get to a certain level where I would always be of that mindset. Like what's next, what's next, what's next. Even here, I'm like, what's next, what's next, what's next. And again, like you were sharing, it's all right. It's okay to be like that. However, let me be grateful for what I have. Thank God for that. And just like, work on those things daily as much as I get. And, and that's how I think like anybody should be, right? Like you said, resources of planet Earth and share with other human beings. Most business people find a need. So what, is, what do people need? And I'm like, you know, I'm a food guy. You know, like all the flavors that are created, hey, I like them. You know, it wasn't like, let's research the number of flavors. It's like, hey, I like these. I hope other people do too. And there have been failures and there's been things that, you know, one of our greatest flavors was an absolute mistake and like complete error. And it became Delray Beach's Whole Foods like signature bar. What do you want to call that? Coincidence? Chance? I don't know. I just know it's like rather than freak out of what money we lost, it was okay. Let's figure out how to work with this. And guess what? You know. So I think you know changing my perception, like you said, like or an awareness of like, hey, even taking that ownership as a business owner, even if it's just you, and being like, you know, sometimes communication fails. Is it the chef's fault, the cleaning crew's fault, my wife's fault, our director of operations fault? No, it's my fault. The buck stops with me. I learned that from my father. Like if there's something going on and you're part of it, it's not about anybody else. It's about you. And again, I learned that again in recovery. It's all the rationalization, all the denial, all the blame. Hey man, if something's bothering you, that means you're bothered. So what's bothering you? You know, it's like when you look at someone and you don't like who they are. I look at some young guys and I just, I just like sometimes want to like rip what remaining hair I have out of my head because I know recovery is so good and life is so good today. And then I'm like, oh, wow, that was me. These are my older brothers and my mom and father literally screaming from the rooftops, What's wrong with you? Why can't you change? I wasn't ready. Some people, again, like not to be dark, but pay the ultimate price and they're not here anymore. Fortunately, I'm here for however long I get to be here. Today, hopefully the rest of the day, I have some fun things to do after this. But like again, it's doing these things that you love to do, finding something you love to do. I have a buddy, really smart. Dad is super successful, crushes. And he had to go to his dad and be like, Dad, I want to be a yoga teacher. And his dad was like, absolutely not. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard of. Why do you want to do that? He's like, because it makes me happy. And guess what? He's one of the biggest yoga teachers around. Instagram followed. Like, yeah, that's cool and important, but like, he's doing what he loves and he's providing for his family and he's not stressed. That love of what you do, why you do it, how you serve, how you show up, that's the most important.
0: So, you have such a great story of where you came from. What is next? What are you excited about going forward? What are some of the things that get you excited in the future?
1: well, there's a lot of things that are in the queue that we've been waiting for three years on since the pandemic started that we're like, hopefully as... The Earth and the planet open back up again, and we can get back to some normalcy with uh, business and things in certain different states. Um, sharing the message, right? And sh- sharing this experience with other places, traveling, sharing that um, on a personal note. You know, my wife's away at a retreat right now, and and one of the things that I've been kind of toying around with is doing a full Ironman, which I know is a serious time commitment and something that I've you know I've done the half and. Uh, you know, I asked everybody like, oh, how'd you do a full? They're like, well, I never did a half. Cause like, if I did half of this, I wouldn't want to have done a full of this. That's a personal note for FroPro related. You know, we're changing the packaging, not the design, but we're changing the packaging to expand, investing in infrastructure to expand, to make products more efficient, you know, cause a lot of places do farm the product out. We do everything in house to make sure quality is assured as best we can. Yeah, man, I just, you know, I like golf. Um, I like to travel. I'd like to do a bunch of more fitness related trips. We're going to Austin in three weeks to do a big like fitness pro pro camp type thing with like some people that I met randomly. I just like meeting people and hanging out with really cool people and like being a part of like fun things. And when you're a peanut butter snack bar, I think it's kind of like, we're kind of like Switzerland where we're like neutral, you know, like there's a lot of gyms down here. We support all of them. And, you know, I just want to share, you know, share the, the product, the story, the hope. Um, that I receive and, and just love on people like I got loved on, you know?
0: I love it. I love it. So, if people want to try the peanut butter snack bars, where's the best place for them to go?
1: Easiest is fropro.com on the website. So, www.fropro.com. Uh, you can also find us on Instagram at gofropro. Again, we are a peanut butter snack bar. There is an ice cream in Australia. So, we are not them. <laughs> um, we are a peanut butter snack bar in the United States. So yeah, the website's super easy. If you reach out or email, you will get uh, Emily, my wife, Chelsea, or myself. So we'd be happy to hear from you. Any questions, comments, concerns, any ideas for new flavors, easiest is website. Next is Instagram, Facebook, uh, LinkedIn, um, any, any of the major, um, the major social media devices.
0: Great, great. And I've had these bars and they are awesome. So I definitely encourage you to head on over to fropro.com. That's F-R-O dot If somebody's connected with your story where they just say, man, I don't know what it is, but I feel like I need to talk to this guy. Are they able to connect with you somehow?
1: You ready? 914-772-6343. That is my personal self. 914-772-6343. You can also reach me on Instagram at M-W-A-R. So M-W-A-R Williams. M-W-A-R-W-I-L-L-I-A-M-S on Instagram. Reach out to me that way. Facebook, Matthew Williams. I know there's it's a super generic English name. <laughs> it's a picture of me and my wife. I think that's a picture on Facebook. LinkedIn, Matthew Williams. I'm in South Florida, Boca Raton. If that helps uh, isolate, that's um, a picture of me. That's pretty much it. Yeah, text, call, email, you know, matt at fropro.com. I love it. I
0: love it. Well, Matt, it has been an absolute honor and privilege to have you on the show. Any final thoughts that you wanted to share? Anything that we didn't touch that you felt like, man, I really just want to say this before
1: we go. I'm just going to regurgitate what someone shared with me. We're in the effort business, not the results business. Do the best you can every day you get 100% effort in everything marriage, relationships, business, friendships finances whatever you're doing 100 percent so you can rest your head on the pillow and all those beautiful results will come and and just have faith mm, I
0: love it well I couldn't say it any better than that so well thanks again for taking the time to be on the podcast today uh, if you're ever in the Midwest I'm in Wisconsin so hit me up if you're ever venturing into the cold areas
1: we are in the
0: capital One cafes up there that' word,
1: up there okay I believe so capital One cafes you can find for right there too
0: nice Well, thanks again for joining us. For our listeners, thank you for tuning in, and we will catch you on the next episode of The Chosen
2: Podcast. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of The Chosen Podcast, powered by the King's Council. If you loved what you heard, give us a follow and a five-star review on Spotify and Apple Podcast. You can also watch this podcast and much more on our YouTube channel at youtube.com forward slash King's Council Coaching.